Unique yet common sense opinions on sports. This is Jeff Allen Sports Talk. And tonight we break new ground on the podcast. Well, it's our pleasure to welcome our first ever guest on Jeff Allen Sports Talk, the studio host for Navy Radio Network and one of the trio guys I've listened to for a long time. First with Steve Zabin, then with their own show on SB Nation Radio, and now their very own Lynn Murray and Sally Podcast. We say hello to the man in the middle, Tim Murray. How are you, Tim? Jeff, it's good to be on. I'm doing well. Well, Tim, I thought it'd be great to have you on since uh, the... Navy is facing the 12th ranked UCF Knights here in Orlando, and uh, thought it would be good to talk some Navy football. So I guess the burning question will be, uh, who's going to be Navy's quarterback? Three quarterback changes in the last five games, I think it is. Yeah, um, you know, they started the season with Malcolm Perry, and uh, he really ended last year with a, a flurry. It was really impressive. Uh, one of the most dynamic athletes that that Navy's had uh just on their team in a very long time. Um, so they thought, you know, let's, let's roll with him. Um, it didn't work out. So they moved him back to slot back, brought in Garrett Lewis, who has the best arm of the three, but uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a complicated offense. I think people who watch the triple option think it's a simple thing, but it is a rather complicated offense. And, and it kind of gives you, you know, what Keenan Reynolds was able to do for so many years and the success he had. Um, you know, I think people took, took for granted. So, uh, it will be Zach Avey from from everything that that we understand. It was a bit of a surprise to see him start last week. Um, he had a lot of success early in the 2017 season, and then things got a little bit stale. But uh, looks like it will be Zach Avey back under center, and uh, Malcolm Perry will be at slot back, and then Garrett Lewis will be the backup. And of course, last week they got shut out uh, by the Cincinnati Bearcats. What went wrong for them in that game? Yeah, I mean, it was just kind of a host of things. And, um, you know, Cincinnati was extremely motivated. I think they were embarrassed. Luke Fickle is a, a defensive guy. His background was the defensive coordinator at Ohio State for many years. And uh, the year prior, the first time uh, that Cincinnati and Navy had met as AAC uh, conference mates, Navy racked up 569 rushing yards against them. So I, I imagine that stuck in the craw a bit of Cincinnati. They were vastly improved. I uh, give a lot of credit to Luke Fickle and, um, you know, this Navy offense just, you know, they, they brought in Zach Avey to try to give him a spark and, and really just could get nothing going. Uh, a lot of credit to Cincinnati. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know if I can fully pinpoint, you know, what went wrong. Um, but, you know, when you don't stay on uh, schedule as a triple option offense, I mean, it, it can wreak havoc. And, you know, on schedule means, you know, three, four yards at a clip and, you know, that's where it can get really frustrating. You know, earlier this year, uh, if anyone watched parts of or, or the highlights of uh, the Army-Oklahoma game, um, you know, people wonder how could Oklahoma need overtime to beat Army? Well, they were able just to hold the ball and have those three, four-yard plays. And, uh, you know, a couple of years ago down in Jacksonville, Navy against Notre Dame. Notre Dame only had six possessions in that game, and that was a Navy win over uh, Notre Dame. So uh, they were off schedule a little bit. And, uh, you know, Cincinnati was a, a very motivated and a very well-prepared team. And if you're prepared and, and uh, you know, on assignment football, uh, that's where you can have success. One blown assignment. And that's where Navy is, is able to uh, pick up some yardage. Yeah, and it's been uh, quite an unusual year for Navy. We've been seeing them have such great success. You mentioned Keenan Reynolds was, was such an outstanding quarterback for them. Uh, what are some of the other things that have kind of bogged Navy down this year? 
Well, I mean, I think, you know, defensively, you know, I talked to Dale Pearson, their defensive coordinator, um, a, a couple weeks ago, or, you know, and, and one thing that, that the reason Navy's defense is able to have success is normally, Jeff, they're very fresh uh, because their offense stays on the field so long. And look, Navy and Army and Air Force and service academies, they're never going to have the elite athletes that their opponents have. Now, you know, certainly if you, you know, maybe play a team from the MAC or the Sun Belt, you might be able to go toe-to-toe athletically. But for Navy and the American Athletic Conference, uh, almost every team is going to have more athletes than them. But what they've been able to do the first three years in the conference is, you know, run that offense to a tee and be able to, to keep that defense fresh so when they do come on the field, they can make plays. But when your time of possession is down uh, where Navy's is, they've had games this year, multiple games, where they have been uh, lost the time of, of possession, which is just, it's really detrimental. So, um, you know, it really kind of all stems on this offense. And uh, for, for Ken Niamatololo's liking, uh, there's been a, a couple more penalties than, than he's used to. I mean, still, if you look at the statistics, I think they're top 10 in penalties, you know, this year, ten, you know, top 10 lowest. but you know, he always wants to be one or two because it goes back to what I just talked about, which was, you know, staying on schedule. And if you get a holding penalty, you're in a lot of trouble if you're Navy. If you get, a, uh, you know, a, a, an illegal block or even an offside or false start, you're in a lot of trouble. So uh, there's just kind of been small things that have just built this, uh, this, this really difficult and unusual season. I mean, this is a team that has gone to a bowl in 14 of the last 15 years. So they have been able to sustain success. Uh, they came into this conference and have, have really played well. So this is a, a very, uh, very b- big blip on the radar for this Navy team that has been uh, very, um, uh, you know, a, a pretty much consistent 8-9 win football team. Well, as you prepare for this week's broadcast, you look at the opposition, and we'll get to their polling issues briefly. But uh, <laughs> what what are your thoughts about the uh, 12th-ranked UCF Knights? Yeah, I mean, it's a dynamic offense. Um, I personally wasn't a, ma- a major fan of the hire of Josh Heupel, but he's certainly, to this point, proved me wrong. Um, you know, we, we witnessed it last year when they came to Annapolis and some of the dynamic athletes they have. And Kenzie Milton uh, was a guy that, you know, I think Navy folks and, and Coach Ken, you know, because of the Hawaii tie, they were hopeful that they maybe would have a chance at, at, at grabbing Mackenzie Milton. And obviously he goes to UCF and he's, he's flourished and he's been phenomenal. Um, it does seem like, and you would obviously know more, but, you know, just watching that Temple game that, that this UCF defense, you know, maybe isn't as stout as they were last year, but it almost feels like this offense is, is more explosive uh, than what we saw last year. So, you know, you think you just kind of put that all together and, and the way this year has been going for Navy, uh, it's going to be a really daunting test uh, for, for Navy on, on Saturday morning. And of course, they'll have to play against the triple option, which is not a, an offense you face every week. So it takes some time to adjust to that. So if Navy can kind of get their footing, you never know. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, it would be nice. I mean, one thing you know about this Navy team is that they don't quit. And I just feel like at some point, and, and right now I think their sights are set on it, and they're not going not gonna to overlook UCF. They're going to be ready to go. But, you know, at, at some point you just you look at the stretch that they've been on. It's been a pretty daunting stretch. It started with a home game against Temple, followed up uh, by the game against Notre Dame in San Diego, and then you had the game uh, – 
Oh, I'm, I'm skipping over the Houston game in there and then right. Cincinnati. So you finish this five-game stretch of, of really good football teams with UCF, undefeated top 12 in the country. Um, you know, for them, I, I, I hope that they can find some success on Saturday and then kind of take that into Tulsa, their final home game, uh, who has struggled this year, wrap up the regular season uh, in the AAC against Tulane and build some momentum uh, before obviously their Super Bowl, regardless of how they're doing in the conference, their Super Bowl will always be uh, against Army. So we know the success Army's having this year. Uh, they'll likely finish up the year nine and two. Um, so hopefully for Navy, they can find some momentum in this UCF game, build it over into the final two games in the AAC, and then ready for the Army game. And of course, the college football rankings. UCF, uh, you know, they complain they're 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 not getting the love that they deserve. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's tough. Um, you know, I I thought initially in the first rankings that that UCF fans. I mean, I'm sure UCF fans wouldn't be happy, but I thought they were um, given a, an opportunity there just because of of who they had played to that point, where they had finished last year at number twelve on the final rankings and the beat at number 12, still with Cincinnati ahead of them, Temple ahead of them, uh, likely a matchup against Houston. What hurt them, obviously, is that Houston loses to SMU last week. Um, you know, Cincinnati's not ranked. I think they should be ranked. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think it just it kind of boils down to, you know, with, with a four-team playoff, I don't know if we're ever going to see a team from the group of five make it. I mean, I think – absolute havoc would have to wreak and and even then you know you might be looking at a 10 and 2 LSU team getting in because their rankings at seven right now um so it I know it's got to be frustrating for UCF fans uh no doubt about it because they're on the verge of another undefeated season so yeah I don't I don't know what the perfect solution is I, I really don't um I know group of five schools don't want to be looked at as inferior um and UCF if they were in the ACC I think they would be the second best team. Uh, you know, if they're in the Pac-12, they'd be right there in the mix of it. So, um, you know, I don't know if UCF is a top four team, but I think they're a really good football team. And, you know, one one argument that bothers me is the, well, if they played Alabama, they would lose by X amount of points. Well, we just saw LSU lose by 29 points at home. So you can't really <laughs> use that argument against anybody. Alabama – it's kind of a, a superhuman team. Um, so, yeah, I understand the frustration coming from Central Florida fans. Um, you know, I, I, it's unfair to do this, Jeff, but they, they can't afford close games. And the Temple game was a great game. It was, it was a great football game. But I'm sure the skeptics and the committee are looking at it as, well, they, you know, they, we were a two-point conversion away from being tied in the fourth quarter with Temple, who lost to Villanova. So, I think it's unfair. I think you could pick apart their resume, but I think when it's, you know, kind of push comes to shove, look, we're talking about a really good football team. And, you know, I don't know if they'll ever make the playoff. Anyone from the group of five will make the playoff, but um, they're, they're, they're just, they're a really, really talented football team. Well, the, the, the deck is definitely stacked against them as far as that goes. And then, of course, uh, we know you're a, a huge Notre Dame fan, and uh, right now they would be in. Yeah. Uh, do you think they're going to be able to hold that position? Well, I think if they go undefeated, they will. Um, I think if they lose, they're in some trouble. I think in, you know, um, they would need some help if they were to lose. I, their schedule broke 
in a way that it wasn't as daunting as, as it looked preseason. Um, and that Michigan win continues to hold a lot of weight. Um, not really fully understanding the arguments that some people have that they should get in or Michigan should be ahead of them when, you know, they played and Notre Dame won. And, you know, they have a common opponent right now in Northwestern. Both played them on the road. Michigan trailed by 17 and needed to come back to win that game. Notre Dame never trailed against Northwestern, ended up winning by 10. Um, you know, Michigan's really good, and they've played great uh, lately. Uh, but for Notre Dame, it's got to win these final three games, uh, and, and they'll be favored heavily in all three of them. Syracuse is playing better football than anticipated, but, you know, Florida State is playing much worse football, and USC is, is certainly not uh, playing that great either. So if Notre Dame loses, they only have their self to blame because they'll be a, a, a – superior football team in all three of these games and at 11 and one you know you're looking at uh, Michigan at 12 and one jumping you I think a, a West Virginia or an Oklahoma that would go 12 and one or I guess for West Virginia it would be 11 and one because their game against NC State was uh, was hurricaned out but um, I think a big 12 champ with one loss would likely jump them it would be interesting to see if Washington State if they were to run the table go 12 and one if they would get in over Notre Dame especially with their non-conference schedule being as weak as it was. But uh, it's, been a, it's been an exciting year. I think this team has gotten better. Uh, Brian Kelly has, has built a program. And, uh, yeah, I mean, now it's, it just it comes down to you have no one else to blame but yourself. You need no help. You just need to win these three football games, home against Florida State, neutral site against Syracuse at USC, and, and you're in the college football playoff. And then, and then we'll see what happens uh, if you get there. And I think Notre Dame, if they were to win out, it would help UCF's resume. Not enough, I don't think, to get into the playoff, but they would have common opponents with Pitt and Navy, provided UCF covers against Navy. I think that would be important for them to have to do. But uh, I think that bolsters UCF's resume, too. Yeah, it is an interesting uh, argument. I've seen a lot of people, you know, throw that out there. And you're not incorrect to to do that because, obviously, UCF obliterated Pitt. Notre Dame struggled against Pitt. Um, I think people can then turn and say, well, you know, you see it's, you go down a slippery slope in my opinion, if you start doing that, but no, I mean, you look at common opponents. Look, I, I referenced a common opponent with Notre Dame, Michigan and Northwestern. So why wouldn't UCF be able to use a common opponent of Notre Dame? If, if UCF take, takes care of business and wins big, uh, against Navy. So yeah, that'd be interesting. Uh, an interesting data point to utilize if you're central Florida, if, if they take care of business against Navy, then you've got two against the top three team in Notre Dame. And you can kind of point to those and say, this is what we did. And that's what they did. You know, we should be bolstered up a little bit. And of course, one uh, last thought, I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't think I want to see another Alabama Clemson game, <laughs> especially for the final, but uh, uh, who can beat Alabama? That's a, that's a good question. I think it's to me, it's maybe Clemson and that's it. I, I don't, I don't think this Michigan team is nearly good enough. I, I know I've, I've heard people talk about, um, you know, Michigan has is, is got the defense. They're great defense, but, you know, it's, it's a different monster when you talk about Alabama. You know, I would be curious about Georgia. Um, I think Georgia's not nearly as talented as they were last year. Still got a lot of talent, but, you know, you lose Lorenzo Carter. You lose Roquan Smith on defense. You lose Sony Michelle. You lose Nick Chubb and uh, – They've still got a lot of talent. They're not going to be afraid of them. Um, that'll be a fascinating SEC championship game. But even if Georgia wins that SEC championship, 
you know, that's Michigan's worst nightmare because Georgia and Alabama would then get in. And uh, you could be looking at two conferences in the college football playoff total in three of the big conferences being left out. Um, but, you know, right now, I hate to say, uh, you know, I'm always a proponent of, you know, it's college football, anything can happen. But I just find it hard to believe after what we saw last weekend and what we've seen all year, I don't know how anyone beats this team. But, you know, I, I, I tend to agree with you. I don't want to see Clemson, Alabama part four. But part of me does want to see it because I think that Clemson team is talented enough to to stick with Alabama. All right, before we let you go, Tim, uh, please uh, let folks know how to follow you on Twitter and uh, put in a plug in for that podcast of yours. Yeah, it's uh, at one Tim Murray. That's the number one, then my name. And uh, if you go to that Twitter handle, you'll see uh, patreon.com back, backslash Lynn Solly Murray and uh, or Lynn Murray Solly, I should say. And that's where, that's where the podcast is three days a week. So uh, yeah, check it out. All right, Tim, thanks a bunch. I appreciate you joining me. Yeah, no problem, man. I'll talk to you. All right. And let's cover some other items briefly. First, the NFL Rams and Saints on Sunday. Boy, that turned out to be everything you wanted in a uh, marquee game of the two best teams in the NFC. Saints, incidentally, today signed ex-Cowboys receiver Des Bryant. Saints, the Cowboys play on November 29th. Joe Flacco turned down an easy touchdown pass to Lamar Jackson in the Ravens' loss to the Steelers and... uh, Lamar Jackson was as wide open as anybody could be on a football field, and I think Flacco's just a big enough jerk to throw into double coverage rather than uh, give the guy who's the heir apparent to his job any opportunities there. College basketball had their big grand opening last night, featuring Duke trouncing Kentucky, Kansas holding on against Michigan State. I tuned into that one after uh, watching UCS win over Ryder, only to hear Dick Vitale shill his book for five minutes during game action. And I get that his book is supporting a good cause in the fight against cancer, and don't mind in mentioning it, but boy, this bordered on an infomercial. And Vitale still offers no real analysis when doing games. They should just move him to the studio. That way he can go off on his Coach K love fest and let us enjoy the game we want to watch. In the NBA, a lot being made of Denver's Jamal Murray chucking up a three at the end of the game that the Nuggets had in the bag, all in the effort to score 50. It's an early November NBA game, folks. Nothing to see here. So thanks again to Tim Murray from the Navy Radio Network, studio host there, for being our first guest on the podcast. And again, you can follow him at 1TimMurray on Twitter. And uh, go to patreon.com and uh, check out the Lynn Murray Solly podcast. And if you don't subscribe to my podcast already, please do so on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, uh, SoundCloud, and now available on Spotify. And with that, we are done here. Thanks for listening to Jeff Allen Sports Talk. Follow Jeff on Twitter at JeffAllen underscore 88, on Facebook at JeffAllen88, and the website JeffAllenSportsTalk.com. And you can reach out to the show anytime by email, JeffAllenSportsTalk at gmail.com. Jeff Allen Sports Talk is brought to you exclusively by Kramer's Salve for Dogs.
I want to take a moment to tell you about the inspiration for Kramer Salve for Dogs. I found Kramer as a small pup when we were living in Knoxville as I was taking our dog Precious out in the middle of a cold rainy night. We had heard a dog barking and whining thinking somebody had left him out on a balcony. No one came forth to claim him so he joined our family. Kramer struggled mightily with skin allergies. My wife Joy tried all sorts of ointments and medications and other than some temporary relief here and there, nothing was really helping him. Then she came to remember that people have used neem for its healing properties and after two years of intensive research created the best solution of its kind not just for Kramer but for dogs everywhere. Kramer Salve is a safe and natural approach to help your best friend live an itch-free life. A four-ounce six-month supply including shipping is just $30 or a two-ounce three-month supply including shipping is just $20. Your pet is family and deserves the best. Help your dog end the itch and hotspot cycle by ordering online today Today at KramerSalve.net. That's K-R-A-M-E-R-S-A-L-V-E dot net.